most of you know that I write sermons a long time in advance. It's kind of a weird thing of mine. In fact, this last week I was writing sermons for late November, early December. That's about how far out I am. The sermon for tonight was written eight, nine, ten weeks ago. Someone there, I forgot to go back and look at the exact exact date when I put the, the final period on the outline, Joey, and hit, hit the ever-popular print button to say, that one's finished. And then I sat through the last couple of days. And I told Rob in the lobby this morning after his sermon, I said, there's only one thing I didn't like about your sermon. And he got that face like, what did I say? And I said, a lot of what you said I was going to say tonight. Here's, here's every word I had planned to say tonight. I want us to talk. This weekend was very, very special. Very special. Rob kept using the phrase pivot point. If you notice, I thought it was strange. If you got the email on Friday, we sent out each day last week, I believe it was Tuesday through Friday, kind of a, a daily reminder and everything. I actually used the phrase pivot point in that email. He didn't get that email. And then he kept using that phrase over and over again. That this weekend could be a pivot point. If you're a guest tonight, by the way, thank you for being here. This is going to be a little more in-house. I hope you understand that. Sometimes families have to have family meetings. This is a family meeting. I want to begin tonight, and I'm not going to talk for long, so you can amen that. But I want to begin tonight with the negative. 58. That's how many were here yesterday. Take out about 25 visitors. I, I don't teach math, but I can figure that one out. For weeks, our elders asked us to be here. For days and days and days on end, in every way we knew how. Vocal announcements, emails, bulletin, daily updates, flyers, social media posts, social media commercials, everything we knew to do. And about 30 of us were here. On a weekend where we said, this is a weekend where this congregation could change course. If you were here for Bible class this morning, you may not have caught something. It was right at the very beginning. I believe within the first just 30 seconds or so that Rob was teaching. He said something along the lines of, I changed what I was going to say. And then he went on and talked. I didn't ask him, because frankly, I didn't want to know the answer. I'll just be honest. But he told me last evening at supper, he was thinking about doing that, changing his Bible class topic and then moving on. And then he said it this morning. I believe, ladies and gentlemen, he did that because of how few of us were here. Because those of us who were in, here this weekend, we had heard the stuff already. The class this morning was just a catch-up, just a review. I'm just going to say it. Friday night about 6.30 and Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, I was embarrassed. 
I was embarrassed. Now, I know some people have to work. We can give every caveat in the world. I'm taking care of an aging parent, or we, we had a death in the family, we had to go to a funeral, or I had to I, I, We're not talking about that kind of stuff. I firmly believe, and I'm certainly not God, and I'm certainly not a prophet, but I firmly believe that the phrase pivot point is exactly right. Next year, if our math is correct, 2024, is the 60th year of Central. We, we already have some ideas up here. The elders don't know this yet. We have some ideas up here about some things we, we might want to do to kind of celebrate that later in the year and be excited about that. Let me ask you something. Who will still be here on the 70th anniversary if we don't evangelize? Will there even be one? Or will we have so many people we have no idea where to even I firmly believe that's where this congregation is. I firmly believe it. Can I ask you a question? If you've been at this congregation most of the time, maybe you moved away and came back or something like that, for 30 years or more, would you raise your hand? There are a few. Raise them high. Be proud. 30 years or more. There's, there's I don't know, four or five hands up around here. These folks can tell you that 30 to 40, maybe a little more than that, years ago, this auditorium was packed. Packed. If you've been here 20-ish years or more, would you raise your hand? Some of those folks can tell you that a great Sunday was 65 or 70. A great Sunday. If we had 70, it was time to celebrate. <laughs> I know because I was here the first Sunday of 2001. Not as a member. I was a guest. I had to lead singing, but I was a guest. And if I remember correctly, there were 71 of us. And you would have thought there had never been such a crowd before. The building was dark. There was that mustard curtain up there that weighed about 427 pounds. There were basically no children. But some people, some elders, some, some members knew this was a place that had an opportunity. If you've been here 10 years or less, would you raise your hand? I'm in that group. We stand on their shoulders. We stand on their shoulders. Because they believed that there was a place for a faithful congregation right here. Because they loved the Lord, loved each other, and loved God's Word enough to say, let's keep going. I'm asking us tonight, which mindset are we going to have? It'll be here just because it's always been here and look, we've got a pretty building and we've got a decent location and we've got decent folks and, and, and don't, don't, don't people just know that we're here? Or will there even be a 70th anniversary? 
I want you to turn your Bibles tonight, just for a moment, to Acts chapter 2. And I want to show you something. And then I'll say a few more words, and I'm going to be done. A passage you know well, Acts chapter 2. No, I'm not going to go to verse 38. You might think he's a preacher of the church of Christ. He's going to go to Acts 2.38. I'm not going to do that tonight. I'm going to go later in the chapter. Because in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, you recall you have sort of a summary paragraph. After that day of Pentecost, you sort of have that paragraph that goes from verse 42 through verse 47, and it talks about what happened in the days and weeks following that birthday of the church where 3,000 were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. The very first thing that's said, Acts 2 and verse 42, is and they, pause, who's the they? It's all the Christians. Let me ask a question. How long have they been Christians? Some of them minutes, right? Some hours. This is meant to be a summary paragraph, so I imagine some days, weeks, months, but this is, this is not the apostles. This is not elders. This is they, the church, these Christians. And they devoted themselves to the first thing on the list. The apostles' teaching, your translation may say the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves first and foremost, if I may put it in our modern terminology, to this book. Keep that in mind and turn over maybe two or three pages in your Bible to Acts chapter 8. And while you're turning there, let me tell you that as you turn those pages, you're crossing, depending on the commentator you ask, somewhere between two and five years. There's, there's no consensus. The Bible doesn't say this much time passed, but somewhere in that, we're, we're not talking decades for sure. We're probably talking somewhere in the two, three, four year range, maybe five at the most. You can't get a decade. There's no way. Just keep that in mind. What has happened in those... Well, the church has exploded. Thousands, 3,000, 5,000, multiplied, grew, pre... It's incredible. But the church is also facing problems. As you turn those pages, you cross the passage in Acts chapter 6. The church had a problem. The Hellenistic widows were not being fed, and the church had to deal with that. And as you cross those pages in Acts chapter 7, where Stephen gives his defense and the Jewish leaders to put it mildly, don't like that. They don't like that here's this one who's trying to stand up for the truth. Look at how Acts 8 begins. And Saul approved of his, that is Stephen's, execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they, who's they? The Christians. Were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Pause. Where had these people been? right there together for two to five years. They couldn't get enough of being together. They loved being together. Who wouldn't? These are God's people, right? Who wouldn't want to be right there? It took difficulty to get them apart. You've, you've got Jewish leaders who don't like what's happened. You've got this man Stephen who was a deacon or commentators might call him a proto-deacon or something. He, he, he's, he's killed. You've got, you've got dangerous stuff. And now at the end of that verse, what did it tell us? All the church is separated, scattered, except for who? The leaders. The apostles. How much time has passed since Acts 2? Oh, two, three, four years. How long have some of these people in Acts chapter 8 been Christians? Well, at most, two, three, four years. Some of them maybe weeks. Some months. Not 30, 40, 50 years. Keep reading. 
verse 2. Devout men buried Stephen in great lamentation and made great, great lamentation over him. We'd expect that. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Pause. Got more problems. Not only do you have just persecution in general, not only do you have now these new Christians, fairly new Christians, scattered all over the place, now you've got this one specific, if I may use the word terrorist, against the church, literally going into people's homes and dragging them out because they're faithful to God. What's the very next phrase found in your Bible? Now those who were scattered went about or went everywhere holding up because they were scared to death. Giving every excuse in the book not to do anything because things are hard. Preaching the You've got people who've been Christians anywhere from minutes to maybe half a decade at the most who don't even have leadership nearby. Who literally face prison at best because of this terrorist. And I'm scared to tell my neighbor about Jesus because they might shut the door in my face. Shame on me. Shame on me. Adam, you don't understand. You're comfortable wearing this weird microphone and talking in front. That's not what I said. You don't understand who I'm around all day. You don't understand the kids at my school. You don't understand the people I work with. You don't understand my friend group. You don't understand the, the people that, that I deal with. You don't understand how rough my neighborhood is or how, how fabulously wealthy my... Nobody where I'm at. Nobody I'm around. What? That's not what I'm saying. These people were not judged by their conversions. They're held up as examples because nothing on this earth would stop them from teaching people. And we will let anything stop us from teaching people. Shame on us. I've got one more thing to say in two requests. And the thing I'm going to say is very, very serious. on our signs, on our website, on our letterhead, everything. We've got the name of this congregation, Central Church of Christ. We've got guests here from other congregations. You've got a name of a location or a neighborhood or a town or whatever, Church of Christ. We've got people watching online and sometimes watch later from other places. Maybe we have some who watch from other places around the world from time to time. And they'll have that same name in a different language, but that's, that's what it says. And one of the things we often talk about is that we are trying to restore New Testament Christianity. We love that concept, don't we? We love the restoration movement. We love to say that the New Testament church is always being restored. It wasn't restored in the 1800s. Oh, it was to some degree, but the next generation had to make sure. 
It wasn't restored in the 1940s and 50s. They, they did wonderful, wonderful things. But the next generation had to make sure they went back to Scripture and did the best. It, it wasn't restored in the 1970s or 80s or 90s when, when some good things were done, especially through technology and other things, and, and some good teaching was done. And, but the next generation had to make sure. I want you to listen to me very carefully. And what I'm saying, I'm telling you, breaks my heart because I realize what I failed at. If we are not evangelizing as a congregation, we are not through with restoration. We haven't done it. We are not what we say we are. Am I right about that or wrong? Folks, we're not. And I'm telling you tonight, notice the, notice the pronoun. We need to repent of that. Did you get the pronoun? If we are going to claim to be the church you find in the New Testament, and that's what we love to tell people, is it? Oh, just come here. All we preach is the Bible. We're just the church you're going to find in the New Testament. If we're not doing what they did, ladies and gentlemen, we are not. We're not. And that should break our heart. Two requests. Number one. Going back to some things Rob said this week. I don't care what interaction you have this week. A co-worker, Leo, a fellow teacher, someone in your neighborhood, Karen Digger <laughs> later this week. Someone online. Don't do a single thing to put a barrier to reaching that person for Jesus. Don't get into an argument. Don't talk about politics. I know. I, oh, Lord. you realize that person's soul. And pardon my grammar, there ain't nothing worth stopping you from having a lane to that person's soul and a study of God's Word with that person. Request number two. Some of us need to repent. It is really easy to look at my life and see some sin. Maybe I'm involved in this particular addiction, or maybe I maybe I lie to my wife or something. And okay, I know I need to repent of that. That's that's, that's real easy. And maybe somebody hears me do something like that. I say, oh, I'm glad he went forward because I heard him say it. I heard him do it. I saw her do it. I saw the whole youth group. I saw the whole whatever. No, 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 no. It's a whole lot harder to repent of something. Admitting you haven't been doing it. And central, 
we need to. Will you come as we stand and sing?